babe, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz, I'm gonna rouge my knees and roll my stockings down. And all that jazz, stop the car, no whoopie spot, where the gin is cold, the piano's hot. It's just a noisy hall where there's a nightly brawl and all that jazz and all that jazz I think the only real surprise in this song is that it took them till season four to do it <laughs> yeah, that is a bit of a surprise all right welcome to the Glyphal podcast with Josh and Ed I'm Josh I'm Ed. And Jennifer is uh, unable to join us at the moment, though she might be jumping in partway through the show. She had a work function tonight that uh, she uh, uh, needed to do, but she might be sitting down. We are currently podcasting for the first time from Josh's Live office. from Toronto. No. <laughs> Why? Are, are you you're in Toronto? What? No, I, I wish. No, no. I mean, I don't wish I was in Toronto, but I was, I was trying to do something exciting, like, not the truth, but it's something exciting. I don't, I'm sorry. Just can, <laughs> tell us the real story. No, I'm in Orlando. Uh, yes, and how are things in Orlando? Um, things in Orlando are pretty good. I am continue to freak out about real life, but in a keep calm sort of way. And um, I don't know. Oh, and in a week, in, in okay, I'm going to be so broke because next Monday, I made reservations for Ohana, the Polynesian um buffet uh-huh. so um, and then on wednesday i made reservations for bistro de paris and that that's at least a 70 dollar per entree location and it and it and it just literally literally the restaurant just reopened december 10th wow so it's so it's like oh, i'm gonna be so poor <laughs> <laughs> but you're going out with a bang you'll you will not oh. leave you will not leave orlando regretting what you did not do no i n- no i will not there you go <laughs> there you go uh we uh this is the gleeful podcast you can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com on the twitter at gleeful podcast i'm josh Brunell. she is jenny b creative he is edward giordano uh, if you are of the like, uh, I was a guest on a podcast this week entitled The Chatterbox. It's kind of grown up, but you can find it at chatterboxpodcast.com. Uh, one of the hosts there is uh, our longtime listener, good friend, uh, New Jersey pal, Michael David. Don't hold that against him. Uh, but he's a rock star and it's his podcast. And so I was on uh, How would you hold it against him? Freaking. New Jersey gave me Wawa. There's nothing to hold against. Him. What is Wawa? Wawa is life. <laughs> what is Wawa? It's three dollars and fifteen cents per gallon gasoline and amazing food at midnight. That's <laughs> cheap. And dollar forty nine slushies. Like what else? Like what else could you want from this universe? <laughs> and ninety nine cents baked fresh all day Boston cream donuts. Wow. Like, Oh my god! I, I freaking Wawa is life, and I don't. I spend too much money there, but it's so good and it's so cheap that it's like, it's okay. Well, that is um, that sounds amazing. I mean, anytime you say donuts, I I I didn't want to be there. That sounds amazing. The apple fritters are really good too, and the cheese Danish is good. They have like conchas too. Like they have they have it all. There's Wawa is life. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> People in the chat room are like, is he talking about a convenience store chain? Yes, I'm very Correct. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And you know, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just I'm like I have like one spoonful left. So but I've been I'm eating chicken noodle soup from Wawa and it's freaking amazing balls. <laughs> well, uh Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat room. You can find us in the chat room. The easiest way to find out about the chat room is to follow us on Twitter, and I will tweet the link and when we will be recording. It's usually like 7 or 7.30 on Monday. Tonight, it's a little later, day 30, so thanks, everybody, who d is staying up late with us. Uh, we do have some East Coasters, just like Ed, who are who are pulling the late shift, the uh, the second shift to late, listen to the Gleeble Podcast. Shift, this isn't even second shift. What are you talking about? <laughs> we got some. Let's see. You the puppy gray. person is new in the chat room. I don't think I've ever seen the puppy person before. So uh, that that's the one new person I can see. So thanks, everybody, for joining us there. Um, and uh, before we get too into the episode, which we will discuss, as we always do, this particular episode being entitled Swan Song, uh, there was some talk on the Twitters, and someone asked, someone had mentioned... Uh, uh, discussing it on the show um, that uh, uh, the Glee Project's Danny Shay released a music video uh, which kind of announces her relationship with Allie who was the girl in the um, wheelchair. I think I thought the music video was kind of gimmicky and quite frankly like borderline softcore porn because it's really just these two girls in bed for like straight up three minutes uh, and the song did not work for me, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. There's a lot of music coming out, uh, from Glee Project season two, a lot more of the kids from Glee Project season two have records coming out, uh, than, than Glee Project season one. We did have a cameo though. Did you catch that, Ed? Did you, have a, did you catch the, the, uh, Glee Project season one cameo in Swan Song? Uh, who was it? I'm sorry. Uh, it was the girl who got sorry, eliminated no, like first or second. Um, the re the one who looked really young, I cannot remember her name, but she was Emily, in the audience. I want to say Emily. That name just came to mind. Emily mind. sounds right. But yeah, she was in the audience during the um, uh, during the holiday whatever when they were scanning all the faces while they were singing along on Rachel's encore. She was like front and center in one of the shots. So it was random Glee Project cameo, kind of hilarious. But uh, but yeah, you can find uh, you can find a lot of stuff online. I really like a couple of the Glee Project songs, and then Cameron and Damien, whom we know, Ellis. Thank you, listener Sarah, or listener Sarah in the chat room. Ellis was the name we were looking for. Uh, Cameron and Damien, who do live together, they did a Christmas stage it show. I think it was. Uh, but you can find that online too. Apparently, they did like Christmas songs. If you're into Camion and Cam Cameron and Damien, good lord! You want to just do the show without me, Ed? <laughs> um, I don't think that went too well last time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> kind of hilarious. Uh, but yes, um, and there, so yes, I'm totally forgetting things. Uh, to talk about so i'll come up with them as we go along but let's go ahead and talk about swan song whoa, ed, whoa, whoa, what was your temperature on the episode josh let's, that's a, let's... that's exactly what i was about to ask you ed what was uh swan song what'd you think um i thought okay okay don't, okay this might sound stupid but it, it felt it felt like glee had ended okay and this was like the movie that they made to appease us after the show had ended that's how I don't want to say how good it was. No, but it, but it was like the production was so tight. The storyline was so like 
like like it it felt so weird to be like okay we're like this far into the season like 10 episodes into the season whatever but there's still a good 12 episodes to go and we're done competing it was like there was like so much up in the air it felt like it didn't feel like an episode it felt like a movie because it was like oh my god what what is happening it was a really heavy episode and i will admit even though I watched it at The Office today, so even though I was at my desk watching the show, um, I, this is the first time in almost a season that I have cried in an episode. That it, I did get a little misty at the end of this one. I and really then, love then, this then one. Cl- as, as I discuss about Disney heroes all the time, a hero isn't a hero without a villain. And like now that Cassandra July is like being straight up terrible to Rachel, it's been, I was like, I was like, Oh my god, I'm I'm like I can't get rid of like a week ago, two weeks ago, I was like I was ready to forsake Rachel down to the corners of gutters and <laughs> never never speak to her again. But now I'm like, all you need is a good villain. That's all you need. That's that's what makes a hero is the villain. I mean, I think that's well, we'll get into this a little bit, but I think that is currently, you know, the the one struggle I had with this episode was Rachel's side of it. Um, because you're right. We don't care about a hero that doesn't have a struggle. Heroes have to have struggles. That's why we like them. And that's why they're fun to watch. And that was the one thing that kind of fell flat for me was I didn't, I didn't really, I wanted Rachel to struggle more. Like I wanted her to have to try even harder than she was actually already trying. But that said, I mean, this was super fun. This was a super old school, like I, I totally got into this episode. I thought it was heavy and and it was a downer and, you know, there weren't a lot of 2.0s. I mean, it, and it actually worked. Uh, like, you know, I've said in the past, my complaint being that there's usually three, there's, there's three shows going on at the same, uh, three shows going on at the same time. The 2.0s, The Upperclassmen, and New York. And this time it seemed like we kind of ignored the 2.0s. So we just had The Upperclassmen and New York. And the two storylines were so intertwined that it didn't feel disjointed. It felt like one thing. And that's exactly what you want. Like, that's exactly, that's the most you can hope for uh, on, on Glee. So that, I thought that was fantastic. That totally worked for me. Uh, and then, uh, um, we had, we did not quite get any of the comeuppances, I guess you could say. Ed, were you a little disappointed to see Kitty not get punished for what she did to Marley? No, because I don't because I don't want to make Kitty good. Yeah, no, she's like oh, because like, as soon as she gets punished, she will become good. <laughs> yeah, like I no, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no, so please ignore. That's a that's a pretty interesting. That's a good observation. Glee. That seems to be Glee's way. As soon as you, uh, as as soon as you become punished, then you turn around and you're like, no, I'm cool again. <laughs> no. So no. She, she bless bless us our Lord for we have simmed. <laughs> wow. Well, that's true. I I I totally see where you're going there. Um. So yeah. Uh. So you. So you're you're. Well, there were some two they just weren't major. They were just like there, and but they 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 weren't like out of the episode. They were just there, and I yeah. I, I don't know. I liked I like what their little bit little bits were. Like it felt re- it felt real. 
Yeah, and and they worked for me the 2.0s in this one too because it was kind of they weren't separate from the upperclassmen. Like they all kind of ran together in the same group even though Jake and and Ryder both joined the basketball team. It was like that entire scene kind of took place in the hallway where they all said where they had moved on to, the clubs that they joined. And mm-hmm. it felt kind of cohesive like wow, they actually are kind of a group in this way. And then uh and and it was all too like their their efforts were not inclusive to the 2.0s. It was all to kind of motivate Finn's storyline, which was more of a the central storyline of the episode. So and that way, yeah, I mean, it felt like the 2.0s felt like they didn't feel like 2.0s. They felt like just members of the club, which is all I've ever wanted them to be is to just be members of the club like everybody else. Uh, what did you think of the music in this one, Ed? We had a couple, uh, we had about three musical theater songs, which uh, uh, is a lot. And then uh, we had, you know, a, a Frank Sinatra song or I don't know, something stupid has been recorded a d- dozen times and then a big crowded house number. Um, it's not exactly your wheelhouse, Ed. What did you think of the music in this one? Um What I appreciated about the Rachel and Kurt number, because I never obviously never heard of them, was that it was they, they it like it was just like hearing it for the first time was very fresh. All that jazz was nice. Don't dream it's over. I believe I said it on this episode on on the show that I wanted Glee to do it. Mm. So it's so I mean, I'm not saying I would have selected this playlist, but I do appreciate what like what it brought to the table. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was like unexpectedly good. Like it, like I saw the song list. I was like, what is this song list? And then I. <laughs> enjoyed all almost all the numbers it it's also almost every number was done in its entirety in this episode uh i just forgot oh holy night which was kind of funny considering rachel is jewish but uh, (laughs) almost every song was done in its entirety and so they did get a little long you you know one might say uh it could have used a little variety i agree it it would have been nice to see it mix up just a touch but i don't know the only we'll... song the only song that really frustrated me was something stupid because sam is just so much better of a singer than britney it just was that was distracting in my mind i was like but it's kind of if you look at the like you know the duets that i can think of of something stupid off the top of my head are frank sinatra and nancy sinatra which is creepy by the way uh, to hear that version. Um, but Nancy Sinatra c- could kind of barely sing. So it worked. And then the other one I have on my iPod is uh, Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman. And Nicole Kidman, while being lovely and having a very nice voice, she's, it, you know, she's kind of a Britney type singer. And so in this way, I thought it actually kind of served Britney a little bit because most of the girls part in that song is just a straight monotone and just kind of holding one note. <laughs> So I guess it kind of worked, but you're right. I mean, he does sing circles around her. <laughs> I mean, is that why I didn't? Because when I was listening to it, I was getting like so frustrated just listening to it. It's like I don't enjoy this sound. Is it because she was? Is it because she was like her part was literally near monotone? Oh, totally. Like, like if you listen back, I mean, I, and we'll listen to it later in the show. Um, the the girl's part in something stupid is like four notes. Uh, and, and, and they're also kind of like awkward notes, like they're kind of lowish notes. So you can, you know, you can kind of see what she's going for there. Uh, have, do you know Chicago, Ed? I would think if there's any musical you've seen, it's Chicago. Well, I mean, I've seen the movie. So. so what did you think of all that jazz? 
I love all that jazz. Who doesn't yeah. love all that jazz? <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought the entire scene dance sequence was really strong. Like when they were throwing their hair and they were doing dance moves. And I liked the way that Rachel addressed it was like, not that she was better than her uh, dancing, but that, that everything that Cassandra July was throwing at Rachel, she was, she was m- meeting the challenge. And that was, that is growth. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I believed it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't like the number, but I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, the idea was more to show Rachel's growth through the number. And I, and I liked that at the end of it, she was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not as good a dancer as you are because I don't think she is. But then she said, but I am a better singer than you are. And I think she is. So I liked that aspect of it. But yeah, for me, it didn't really work. It was kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, I bet you just feel like it's overplayed. Like it just, but it is. It is overplayed, but it's still. It's still good. It was still good. Oh, definitely. It was still good. It just wasn't outstanding. It was the one number in the show that, when I watched it the second or third time, I was kind of like, maybe I'll just skip this one. It was. It was just the one I least cared about. Um, and and it's also another number in that dance room. <laughs> Like there's like a lot of voicemails and while Ed and I talk about how much we like the episode, I will have many voicemails for you that disagree with us. Um, the, the, as much as like the, everybody's been commenting how we're only seeing, uh, Rachel in dance class and yeah, I understand. Like you can't really, you know, if the show was about just Rachel in college, we'd see all well, of her classes. Know, we would get but, way more classes. Yeah. But exactly. I mean, because Sandra July is her biggest mentor slash like 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 I'm 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 of the belief that as Cassandra said she's like everything I do isn't random it's not my fault you don't understand my methods and like that I totally buy into that like this is like you don't you don't see that Rich is growing this way but it's because of Cassandra she's going to become the person she's going to become. Yeah, I I totally agree. The the issue that I was bringing up is just there's been so many numbers in that dance room where everyone wears black dance clothes and the room is a pretty bland room. Dance rooms are bland rooms. You got, you know, hardwood on the floor and windows on one side and well, sometimes. And then you have mirrors on the other side. It's kind of a bland looking room. And as many numbers as we had in the choir room, I kind of felt like that. I mean, but how many numbers were in Smash were in that same room? Which, by the way, I'm pumped that it's starting up again soon. But like, I'm torn. uh, I'm torn. (laughs) I'm torn about Smash because they have a new showrunner. And the new showrunner is reportedly going to make it way more soap opera y. Um, and you know, first season was pretty soap opera y. So to hear I did, the second I did, season, I mean, is I'm, I'm obviously going to give it a chance. I enjoyed season one, so oh. I want to see season two. You know, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Can't make I'm, me not watch that. I'm sad they got rid of that guy that everyone hated, Ellis. Yes. Well, you're the only one who liked Ellis. No, but Ellis was a useful tool. Like <laughs> he was a tool. You're right. <laughs> he was a useful tool, though. He wasn't just a tool. He was useful. But he was an unmotivated tool. Like Ellis didn't have enough motivation to be as evil as he was. If but, it was somebody no, we like, just don't, we just don't understand the backstory. They just haven't. 
uncovered it yet. If it was like when the writers were fighting with the director, then it was cool. But when it was like people fighting against this like little PA that it's like, just throw 10 grand at him and make him go away. Like that's what you do in real life. Like if a PA gets up in your face like that, you're just like, you're fired. And then he sues you and you like throw a couple grand at him and he walks away. That's how those things work. But I, I mean, I, I like the internal tension. That was always fun. That's more realistic. I don't know. <laughs> you saw that Jennifer Hudson is coming out for Smash season two? Uh, yes, I did. And I'm excited for Jessica Sanchez on Glee. Oh, yes. I've read about that. Jessica Sanchez from American Idol on Glee. That's like the first American Idol season I didn't watch. Yeah, it was it was a legitimately good season, even though I didn't finish it after Lisa Stone got eliminated. But yeah. I, I, I like later went back and it was it, like the winner was solid. Like even though it's the fifth white guy with guitar. Oh, come on. He has to be like one of the most boring winners. Like Lee Wise is the only winner more boring than Philip no. Phillips. He but has Phillip one Phillips, name, but, he, but he's selling. But he's selling. That's the thing. He's selling. I know, so. and that's that's insane too. He's hugely popular. I don't get it at all. He's, he's literally probably the most successful. Well, Skyler Curry is pretty successful, but I mean, in terms of like pop radio, Philip Phillips is probably the most successful winner since Jordan. That's crazy pants. That's crazy pants. On pop radio, yeah, I'm. I'm not even joking when I say that. Yeah, I cannot. I. Yeah, I can't even believe it. Let's go ahead and take a listen to uh, Something Stupid. We discussed it a bit before. Um, this is a duet between uh, uh, Heather Morris and Cord Overstreet here on the Gleeful Podcast. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. Afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you I can see it in your eyes that you despise the same old lies you heard the night Just a line to you from me It's true, it never seems so right before I practice every day to find some clever lines To say to make the meaning come through But then I think I'll wait until the evening gets late And I'm alone with you Time is right, your perfume fills my head The stars get red and all the night's so blue And then I go and spoil it all By saying something stupid like I love this is one of those instances on the show Where I think the song itself is so good It's almost hard to mess it up And I mean this song is just This is just a fantastic song and uh, so, you know, and, and Cordover Street has a very nice voice. She makes him sound better. It's all good. Like, you can't even complain. So. Uh, what do you think, Ed, about, uh, about uh, Sam and Brittany on the show? I thought it was so funny how Brittany was like, it, uh, uh, like, 
I could totally see that in uh, on this like people blogs being a Twitter about Brittany leaving say uh, leave, leaving Santana for Sam and how like the backlash of that. So they like they like front loaded the defenses. Like, oh, the best- totally. I think that was the best part of it too. Is that you know as we always say, Glee is best when it's self aware, and the. I think like three times last week, some kind of, you know, Santitney friends love Santana or Naya is our hero was trending on Twitter, like at least three times last week. Those the fans of of Santana and Britney are are just insane. I mean, not insane. That's you know what I mean. They're just incredibly zealous, passionate. Zealous. I, I mean, I would have always said if you asked me. A year ago, I would have said there are no more zealous, thank you, fans than the Klain fans. But man, Britannia fans are hardcore. And so I totally agree. I totally think that the her whole plot line about, or her whole conversation about, like, I'm worried about your safety was about them. <laughs> That's what um, she was discussing. Um, I think whenever Glee ends... Um, when like wherever no matter how what season it is even if it's season 50 Brittany <laughs> needs to come back and like be, become self-aware and realize that they're in a tv show that needs to be how it ends it's like like they're like that like she needs to be aware that it's a tv show like like <laughs> like, like her character on the show is like i don't i don't know how they could do it but that needs that, that needs to be how it ends well the other big thing that came up in this episode was Brad speaking how crazy was that? Uh, uh, I thought it was just, I hate to use the phrase awkward out of the place, but it's, it's how I felt about it. Oh my like, God. I thought it was the best. I thought it was fantastic how it's like such a, they went four years building up to that moment. I thought that was a totally classic, like glee thing. And then the moment not even being, I mean, it wasn't wildly, uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't surrounded by a lot of pomp and circumstance. It was just suddenly Brad is talking and he's complaining about the kids. I thought it was perfection. It really, you really didn't, I'm, I'm surprised. Why, why didn't you like Brad, uh, finally getting a line? I mean, it just was like, if like, if that's how you felt this entire time, then why did you <laughs> like Glee's lot? Like they lost before. Like, why is this the time? Oh, I thought, but I thought that Brad was so mad. I mean, his whole speech was about how, like, do you know how incredibly annoying it is to have these kids just look at me and somehow I'm supposed to read their minds and know what to play? Yeah, but, but he always totally did. Self-aware. So, so I don't, so I don't believe him because oh. he always did know. So That's I don't, funny. I don't, I don't believe him. That I guess, like, I don't. I felt like I heard the speech. I was like, I don't believe the speech. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. The, the other the other thing that I loved about Brad too is um well like there's a there's a story about the first season of Scrubs for Scrubs nerds. Um and, and in the first season of Scrubs, uh the janitor who ended up being in the entire s- series of Scrubs. Originally when they were writing the pilot, the janitor was only in JD's mind. And so if you watch the first episode of Scrubs, the janitor only ever talks to JD. And at the end of the season, he was going to find out that this character was in his imagination all the time. And the amount of planning it takes for a TV show to do something like that, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot. 
for a TV show to like plan something and hold back and and not just go for the easy payoff halfway through the season or in episode two when you really want to. So to hold Brad off for four seasons or three and a half, I thought, I mean, for me, I was impressed. I mean, I, I was impressed that they, and that they tore the seal because they can't go back now. I mean, the next time Brad talks, it's not going to be as exciting. Uh, so I don't know, for me, it totally worked. Uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't a, it wasn't a thrill for you. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I would have, I would have believed it more if there was at any point he's played the wrong song while someone went up there, but there was no, that never happened. Like it, it never, like, there was no, there was no setup for, there was no motivation for that reaction. Ah, uh, huh. in my mind, in my mind. <laughs> well, let's let's wrap up uh, McKinley before we go to New York. Um, so Sue is large and in charge and evil, uh, big time. Ed, what did you think about New Directions losing sectionals? I. Definitely, I definitely spent the first 15 minutes of this episode thinking, how are they going to talk their way out of this so they still win sectionals? And they pretty, pretty resoundingly uh, put this team out of the rest of competition. Not that we don't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way back into the competition. But th- I thought that was kind of brave to torpedo that in such a uh, such No, a I'm, gl- no I'm, I mean, I don't want to be like, I'm glad. Well, no, I am glad. I'm glad they did it because cause we... We, it's like it's like Survivor season twenty two or whatever. Like you mm-hmm. know what to expect, mm-hmm. and and Glee was getting like season two was sign of Ruddish, season three even more so, and now season four all bets are off. You're like, yeah. like this is the them losing sectional is the equivalent of a character dying of a main character dying <laughs> in terms of in terms of, no for real it's like, true it's I, true. It's the equivalent of a main character dying. Like you're like, oh my god, anything can happen this season. I have to watch. That's it's totally that's, true. That's how I feel about it. Well, and what's what's really cool about it too, when you think about it, is that the first three seasons were really lived on a certain rhythm. The first season was we're going to go to sectionals and then we're going to go to regionals. And then the second season was we're going to go to sectionals and then we're going to go to regionals and then we're going to go to nationals. And that was the same thing with season three. And this season, they've essentially said, we're not sure where we're going to go. Like, we're not 100 percent sure where we're going to end up. They they, they did the equivalent of if this was imagine mid season three. And like it's like episode three of season three, and and Rachel dies. That's <laughs> that's no, that's what's no, that's really what it's like. You're like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, it it's just like any anything can happen, and and I I'm excited. Like this means that there's so much more possibilities because we don't we don't know what the possibilities are. <laughs> So, uh, uh, and you definitely have Evil Sue back large and in charge. Are you welcome to ha- uh, have the return of Evil Sue? Oh, see, and the best part about Sue's return to form is unlike the other time when she's been wishy-washy, I'm like, this time, I believe it. She's like, Sue de Soleil, hells that yeah. Was awesome. Like, <laughs> Like, this is like, this, it, it was like the, mo- like the, she wanted Glee to be taken down, but all the other times she couldn't do it. But now, like, they, she just like left them alone and they destroyed themselves. <laughs> so it's it, like it's Sue's true. and then I don't know. I believe like it all like Sue returning to evil for like the first time in a while is believable. It's it's very true. I mean, I, I'm still a little sketchy on Sue's motivation. 
Um, no, her, her but, see, if I just come back to the original motivation, like I can take Glee down, but she didn't even have to do it. It just happened. It just fell into her lap. It's a, this was an interesting episode from a couple different standpoints. Uh, we got a lot of voicemails and we'll listen to a couple in a bit that were really critical of plot holes in this episode. And there are a lot of them. Um, you know, there was yeah, kind we, of no mention of, you know, Kitty's behavior of Marley and then no, Santana no, kind of please. randomly disappears at one point. Um, that, there, that isn't a plot hole. I don't, I disagree. I think it, but there, there are certain, there are ways I can't disagree with the people that have problems with this episode. That's all I'm saying. I can't disagree with you on this one, except I just thought like this was a very emotionally true episode and for a lot of reasons, which when we get to New York, we'll talk a little about uh, um, uh, some more of those. But uh, we did have New York and we had the holiday. Uh, what did they? What is it? The holiday showcase? I can't remember what it was called. But uh, as run by Whoopi Goldberg. Um, but not just any Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg from Star Trek The Next Generation. Nerds, look it up. So here is a bit of Leah Michelle performing Being Good Isn't Good Enough course made popular by barbara streisand i know you were you could just assume that one uh here on the gleeful podcast Looks like uh, we lost Ed, and that made my iTunes slip out. Uh, let's see if I can get that back here. That's the way it's gotta be. There's no other way for me. Being good just Ed, are you back? Yes, I'm back. All right. We got Ed back. Uh, Can you hear me? <laughs> so despite kind of bizarre technical difficulties, you got to, to hear a bit of being good isn't good enough uh, with Rachel in the winter showcase. Thank you to listener someone in the chat room who corrected me uh, in the chat room. Listener Diz. Um, I don't know what she said, but um, I, I don't know what the context of it, but she writes, I bugs me. And I was like, I know that's supposed to be It Bugs Me, but it totally sounds like Popeye. And it made me smile. So we got a bit of the Winter Showcase here. Ed, how did you feel about the Winter Showcase? You know, Rachel seemed to be 
truly devoting herself to music and trying to do things that she might not have a chance to do again, singing like she may never get a chance to sing again. Uh, how did all this play for you, Ed? So, Ed, Winter Showcase? Winter Showcase was a very... What I, what I like about this, the Winter Showcase, it made me realize that all competitions in life are only exciting if people put value on them. Yeah. And I thought they did a, I mean, they tried, they did a really good job of trying to make it seem like it was a big deal. Like, like Kurt made it seem like it was a big deal. So therefore, like, he's outside, the, he's outside of Nyata. So like, that's how big of a deal it is that people outside of Nyata are in, like, know about this. And like, all these winners came from this. So it has credence because of the other people. That's like the key to, uh, like, that made me realize like, that what, that's what makes up competition important is because people believe it's important. That's and, a really uh, good point. Rachel being in it, I thought Rachel did awesome. We we kind of had those occurred. conversations in the past too, where we would always, you know, we'd always say like, "We need you to tell me why this person won," you know, and and this is kind of the same thing. We need you to tell us why this is important, and they did a really good job of telling us why this was important, especially to Rachel and especially to the others um, in the show. I thought that was really effective. Uh, you know, Rachel's whole part in it was really fascinating. It was kind of hard to be like, Rachel won because we didn't see anyone else perform. Um, but it worked for the plot and it was it was quite nice. I had a little struggle with Kurt's part of it, though, just because it was a little convenient. It was a little easy that Kurt got up to perform and that that was his uh his well showcase. no no what 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 whoopi said or carmen tippity said was that <laughs> when when people get second chances it's on her terms true true so i was like they were setting that up i was like set up and deliver <laughs> i will be very very unhappy if this season ends with rachel and Brody as the happy New York couple because I don't trust that guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, if... no, no. We're not supposed to trust him because because episode one of the season was like, oh, you like to help all the freshmen, don't you? There is that line says a lot more about that character than they're letting on. There's more. There's more going on here. I see exactly. I can't shake that, and he's just too. No, he's not. He's uh... not Blaine. He's not Blaine. Or he's not even Blaine, what Blaine used to be. Or Blaine, no, Blaine's still awesome. No, Brody's not perfect. There's more to the story. Mm. It, it just, it just, when will we discover this? I mean, there's that. And I mean, maybe part of, part of my struggle as well is Brody is not a character. Like he's just there to be pretty and to no, tell no, Rachel that no, she's but, pretty. But there's, that we just think that because we don't know his real <laughs> motivation yet. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I look forward to see how that all pans out. Um, and Ed, what did you think of Kurt's number? Do you think he? Uh, do you think he deserved readmission, or was it a struggle? Ed, um, oh, when, when it's so funny. I'm here. Um, when me and I were watching it, I was like, we're like, uh, they're like, you have to do a song, Kurt, and we're both like, this is. Rose's turn. Rose's turn. Even though, <laughs> even though the ad lib wouldn't really make sense at this point, um, but I thought being alive was good. I mean, I, I don't know the song, but I thought he's good. Mm. I'm sure. Yes, of course he does. I mean, 
I didn't want like as good as happy as he was with passion. Just because you like it doesn't mean it's what you want to do, and that's yeah. I so I'm not, I'm glad he's going for what he wants. I'll, uh, you're breaking up, so I'll I. But I think I get the gist of what you're saying. I kind of come down on it in a different place, though. The sense I'm getting from you is that you. Like that he should be going like him going for Niata is the right thing to do because it makes him happy. And I guess there's some truth to that. But then there's another part of it where, at least from a viewer's perspective, I really liked the idea of having him and Rachel pursuing slightly different things. And I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, I'm like, I really like Chris Culfer. But outside of Glee, I don't think he'd ever be made a star with that voice. And um, I really liked Kurt as a fashion designer and in that world. And I really felt like that was where Kurt belonged. And now just to see them like both pursuing exactly the same dream. I don't know. It's it's a little bittersweet for me. And then also with Kurt being uh, I, I, I also liked the message of sometimes your dreams change and you have to pursue different dreams and so in the case of kurt he uh you know he he realizes maybe i won't be a singer and so i'm gonna pursue fashion because i can be just as happy there i don't know i i liked the layeredness and the depth of that message and that storyline and now just having kurt and rachel both at niata and like screw you sarah jessica parker for being so nice to me and taking such you know being so good to me i don't care i'm just gonna go pursue this other thing it's a little bittersweet for me i i i don't know i'm torn i'm torn uh that said um, and I'm just going to keep vamping here because Ed just keeps connecting and disconnecting. That said, Being Alive, one of my favorite songs. Absolutely one of my favorite songs. Such a classic. So good. So fantastic. Absolutely great. Um, the song. I cried. What can I say? Yo, David Six in the chat room just pointed out that it's actually taken nine episodes for Kurt to have a solo. That's kind of insane. Never. That's a that's a new one. I'm going to pause it and wait for Ed to come back and then we'll see if we can finish out the show. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get Ed back and I don't have Jennifer here. So we're going to listen to Being Alive. Uh, Chris Colfer performing Being Alive written by Steven Steven Sondheim from uh, the musical company. One of my greatest one of my. Probably, well, it's, yeah, it's number two on my list of favorite musicals. So, Chris Colfer, Being Alive, Stephen Sondheim Company, coming alive. And uh, uh, and then we'll come back and do some voicemails, and maybe we'll get Ed back. Maybe we won't. Uh, here's Being Alive on the Gleeful Bike. Someone to hold you too close Someone to hurt you too deep Someone to sit in your chair 
ruin your sleep Someone to need you too much Someone to know you too well Someone to pull you up short To put you through hell Someone you have to let in Someone whose feelings you spare Someone who, like it or not, will want you to share a little, a lot. Someone to crowd you with love. So I do, you know, I'm a huge Stephen Sondheim nerd and company's my favorite show he's written. So I have literally seven productions of this on my iPod. And this is probably my least favorite version of the song, but it's nice that he did it in the deeper key. I think that's really cool. Uh, and we get to get some of the warmth. You know, Chris has a lot of warmth that we usually don't, or we certainly didn't get in the first season. So, uh, you know, uh, we're still going to see if we can get back Ed. But while we do that, let's play some voicemails. Here is uh, some standbys, but uh, they're separate. So let's try this one out. Hey, Justin, uh, because this week is finals and our schedules are all crazy, Caitlin and I were unfortunately unable to team up for our weekly voicemail. Honestly, I'm not even quite sure if she watched the episode at this point. But anyway, I'm just calling to say that this episode gave us the greatest moment in the entire history of Glee. I'm not lying. You know it, too. We got to hear Brad speak, and it was everything I dreamed it would be. He hates the kids for telling him to hit it and just expecting him to know the songs. It was the crowning moment of awesome. Besides that, this episode was pretty all right, outside the glaring stupidity of having a sexy off with your teacher. The <laughs> breakfast club part was cute and led me to wonder how many kids these days actually have seen the movie anymore. Marley ruined everything by not wanting to ruin everything, and I still don't buy that New Directions isn't somehow going to get a free pass to regionals or nationals somehow. Well, expect us both back next week, and be prepared for some Caitlin rage. I'm warning you. She absolutely despises It's a Wonderful Life parodies. Her rage at the promo was palpable. But hey, at least you don't have to watch the episode with her. That, that was a joke, Caitlin. I miss you, bestest buddy, and I hope everything's going well. See, I even talk to her when she's not here. Anyway, can't wait to hear your podcast and wish us luck because Caitlin and I have organic chem at 8 a.m. Wednesday and we'll need all the luck we can get. Bye. And let's cross it over here to the other side. Hi, Justin. It's Caitlin calling without Sarah this week. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to call in again together. Um, I just had a few comments on this episode. First, I am still over New York. So the season started with my favorite part of the episode, and I always look forward to seeing what they were up to, but now I just can't stand it. It might have something to do with Rachel's new annoying personality. Speaking of which, Rachel and Cassandra's dance off. When will Rachel learn that antagonizing Cassandra never really worked out well for her? If those were her dance moves, why would she have even challenged her dance teacher in the first place? Why is Cassandra surprised that no one is learning anything in her class? Maybe it's because Rachel and her have interrupted their practice three or four times now to have diva off, because that's the mature thing to do. Anyway, back in Ohio, I think that Sam and Brittany are actually kind of cute. I think that bringing up the blogger community thing was Ryan Murphy's way of saying you will be okay with this. But I'm thinking that the relationship will probably end up similar to Brittany and Artie's relationship. Some cute moments, but you never really see them as an actual couple. 
Oh, but during the duet, it was funny how even though the Glee Club had broken up, the band is still at their beck and call. <laughs> Finally, who would have thought that Tina would be the mean girl of Glee Club when Santana left? I mean, Marley had an eating disorder. She passed out. Give her a break. Everyone's going to be angry at her. Isn't going to help matters. What got to me the most was how Ryder said that he knew she had been eating lunch for a week. He didn't help her or tell anyone about it. I do realize that they are just fictional characters on a TV show, but come on, guys. Be better friends than that. <laughs> anyway, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Oh, and Brad speaking with everything I hoped it would be. Anyway, bye. There you go. I have another vote for Brad. Uh, we had a, a couple people who brought up kind of inconsistencies in the episode, so let's go ahead and listen to someone who did that. Here's Marie. Hi, guys. Marie from Georgia. Woo-woo. Anyway, okay, my seven-word review is that Glee needs to fix its priorities. I think that's seven words. Whatever. Um, so basically, it seems like Marley's eating disorder has become, at least for this episode, a plot device, so they fail. That's not cool. It's also not cool that Tina's just like a complete bitch to her. Like, what the hell, Tina? And that, even worse, no one sticks up for her. No one. At all. You think at least Jake or Ryder would be Team Marley and be like, Tina, chill out. Or, like, try to talk to her or something. But instead, we wasted time that should have been spent on Marley on Brittany and Sam. I don't even like Marley. But this is an important thing. Just, <laughs> ugh, just, ugh, I couldn't even enjoy the good parts of this episode because that made me so angry. The Brittany and Sam thing and the Marley thing. Anyway, hope you were able to enjoy the good parts unlike me. That's all. I, I definitely was. And here's one more. Hey there, listener Emily here. I'm not sure if I'll be able to tune into the live stream tonight, and I wanted to put this topic up for discussion. First off, I really enjoyed this week's episode. Kurt finally got to succeed at something. But at the end, I found myself really examining the character of Rachel Berry. I realized that, ultimately, I no longer root for her because she's no longer the quirky underdog she once was. Now she's just your typical pretty girl who, as my grandmother would say, dresses like a hussy and gets everything she wants with minimal effort. Are we as Glee fans really supposed to root for that? So I just wanted to hear what you thought of the new Rachel this season and where you think her story might be going next now that she's topped all our competition at Miata. Love the podcast. Have a great night. I agree. I mean, I think there is something to be said for Rachel's kind of um, rise, <laughs> rise to power. She's definitely risen to power and she's a very, um, I- I'm not sure how much higher they can take her at this point. I think that's kind of my worry. Uh, you know, I've lost Ed and I've lost Jen. So it's just Josh rocking it solo style. Um, and so before I sign off, uh, there was somebody brought up in the chat room that it's worth mentioning the phone call from Rachel to Finn, uh, where she told him she won. And I found that to be a really real moment. Um, there's this thing that happens in a breakup where inevitably when two people break up, one of them is going to do extremely well and one of them is going to do really poorly. And it was just one of those really real moments where Finn is at his lowest and Rachel is at her peak. And that, I don't know. I've not seen that on TV. I've not seen that in a movie before. And I was watching that going, God, I know exactly where he is right now. Don't know where she is right now, but that's my personal problem. So anyway, I thought that was just a really eloquent 
moment, you know, a very real thing for Glee to do. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I can't wait to see uh, the Christmas episode because, as we know, Glee does like to do its Christmas episodes upright. So we'll see how that happens. And hopefully I'll have some co-hosts next week. <laughs> and I won't just be talking to myself at the end of the show. I always kind of talk to myself. Anyway, um, oh my gosh. Look who it is! I have a co-host! Hey, you came in just as I was signing off. Put your headphones on. I have everything set up for you. I'll even turn your mic on. Mic on. Jennifer, tell everyone what you thought of the episode. I loved it. It was very sweet. And I thought Kurt gave... Sorry, I'm so far back. There you go. (laughs) It's a different chair for me. Um, (laughs) I thought it was really great. Loved... Rachel's performance, and it loved, loved, loved Kurt's performance. Oh, yeah. And it was so much fun, the group singing together at the end. It was very, very sweet. Are you looking forward to Christmas? Christmas episode next week? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant in general. Just Always in looking general. forward to Christmas. <laughs> hey, Ed. Ed uh, Ed's disconnected. Oh. I've spent the last six minutes of the podcast talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I stalled playing some voicemails, Aww. and then I just kind of talked to myself for a little while. Um, well, awesome. Which was went surprisingly smooth. So, nice. Well, <laughs> uh, we got some Jen, everybody. Yay. We got some Jen as we were saying goodbye. Um, if you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight, we c- you can do so. Email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at uh, gleefulpodcast. Um, actually... Let's see if I can just... Oh, look, I can read. Hi, softball Lexi. (laughs) Hi, the puppy person. I'm usually not on this side of the screen, so I usually don't get to see everybody that's writing in. Oh, that's a good point. Here, let's have have our listener do this part. Okay. I'm calling to help Josh out a little bit. This is Tiffany from Memphis here for the Gleeful Podcast. You can find the show online at gleefulpodcast.com. Josh swears he reads each and every one of your emails, so drop him a line at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail at 424-258-GLEE. That's 424-258-4533. Keeping it brief and making it funny are the keys to getting it played during the show. You can join in the conversation with all the other Gleeful fans on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com and search for the Gleeful Podcast. And all major announcements are made via Twitter. You can follow the show at Gleeful Podcast. You can follow Josh at Josh Brunel, Jen at Jenny B. Creative, and Ed at Edward Giordano. And if you're feeling particularly generous, then pick up a Britney Bingo t-shirt exclusively at GleefulPodcast.com. Back to you, Josh. Aw, that was perfect. (laughs) And hi, Typo, and hi, Joey's Baby 956. And yes, I agree with Y.O. David. Yo, David Six. Yo, David Six. <laughs> yes. Yo, David Six. You're cute. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe it was a great song as well. It was a great. And song. I did love the group numbers, and it really was great to hear them again. And 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 you know, admit to everyone live on the air, so I don't sound crazy. Aww. You you did cry a little. I got a little choked up. Got a little choked up. Well, oh. I have to keep it in check because you know I work in a very professional office. Do you? <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> For the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. <laughs> and Ed will be joining us next week. We hope. Christmas episode. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. Good night.